Welcome to the Changelog episode 0.2.3. I'm Adam Stikoviak. And I am Wynn Nevelin. This is the Changelog. We cover what's fresh and new in the world of open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web at thechangelog.com. And we're also up on GitHub. If you go there, you'll see some trending repos, some featured repos from the blog, as well as the audio podcasts. We're also on Twitter, so follow us with Changelog Show, not the Changelog. And I am Adam Stack. And I am Penguin, P-E-N-G-W-Y-N-N. I'm fresh back from Oklahoma City, Red Dirt RubyConf. Yeah, it's a lot of fun up there, I bet, huh? Yeah, it was. A lot of smart folks. Got to see a keynote from Jim Wyrick and uh, Dave Thomas. Oh, yeah. A couple of uh, guys that have forgotten more Ruby than I'll ever learn. <laughs> a lot of JavaScript going on, too. Interviewed Charles Lowell, a.k.a. Cowboy D on Twitter and GitHub, about Ruby Racer. He's got some exciting projects here. Yeah, some embedded JavaScript within Ruby. Uh, one embeds the... I guess Ruby Racer embeds the Google V8 engine, and Ruby Rhino embeds Mozilla's uh, Rhino JavaScript engine. I have to apologize up front for the audio of this, uh, this interview. We did it live. We'll do it live. Okay, <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. We did it live there at the, uh, the conference, and uh, you know, live events are always uh, fun. Yeah, there's always some sort of glitch you got to deal with, and quality of the audio is, is always one that goes first. So please excuse that, but otherwise it's a, it's a fun episode, commute-friendly format this week. A couple of programming notes. We'll be at Texas JavaScript on the 5th of next month, 5th of June in Austin, Texas. Great lineup there. Yeah. Also be at Less Conflict on this month as well. Next week, as a matter of fact, out in Atlanta, Georgia. Is that May... next week? I thought it was 3010 that you were going out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's 100 years from now, right? Well, right. millennium. Millennium for now. Either way. Either way. It's in the future. But uh, lots and lots of fun, but uh, yeah. You have a DeLorean you're going to get out there? I think so, yeah. I'm going to get to 85 and zing my butt over to Atlanta. Let me know how the future turns out, buddy. Will do. Cool. Let's get to this episode. Yourself, either with the templates or with the actual code that evaluates the templates. 
if that makes sense. So these tip ones you're talking about, something like Mustache.js, or? Yes, yes. And for the folks that may not be aware, who's used Mustache.js? A few hands, why don't you give uh, the folks some background on what this is. Has anyone used Mustache RV? Uh, have they, have you used them in, have you used this technique where you use them in concert, where you use the same templates from the client and server? Okay, so uh, Mustache is a templating engine that has both an implementation in JavaScript and an implementation in Ruby, but it has the same syntax. Use one implementation with the same syntax. Um, that way you're guaranteed to get the exact same result. Why is uh, an interpreter like this, I guess, required for that sort of thing? Well, because uh, if you're, <clears throat> like I said, if you're, if you're, if you're using the exact same implementation, like suppose you want to, uh, suppose you want to extend your syntax, right? You're going to have to do that if you're, if you're using two different languages, two different implementations. You're going to have to change both implementations. So any change that you're making is going to be, doing, is, going to be uh, is going to be recognized twice. If you have a bird environment, it's going to be recognized and triplicate. So if you can bring the exact same implementation to all your different runtimes, then you're, you're cutting cutting the cutting that out of the equation. So in the case of a template rendering. The one way maybe you can look at this is like you, you would normally have to do all the template rendering on the server side, but maybe you could save some CPU cycles by pushing that off to your clients, letting the clients do the work and using the same um, using the same format, the same language. Absolutely, and you're just sending data to the client. You're not actually uh, you know you're not sending display data. You're, you're sending the data that's rendered on the on the client. So earlier today you said that uh, sending HTML over the wire was an abomination. I, I believe a certain certain Rubyist uh, certain Rubyist out there took issue with this. Uh, he'll remain nameless, but his Twitter handle is GLV. So uh, why don't you explain to, to Glenn what you meant by that? To clarify, HTML itself is not an abomination, but using it as a data structure uh, is an abomination. No, his question was, isn't this what the browser does? Um, well, for the browser, you know, one person's code is another person's data, uh, and so forth. I mean, it's the browser's job to use it as data to render. But from our perspective, uh, it's a view. And using a view to house, to house data, to me, is uh, a smell. So for those that didn't catch the talk, you're proposing an alternative that sends what? Just just JSON, pure JSON. Right, right. Or, you know, something else, if, if that strikes your fancy. Sure, a question from the audience. Well, you work you work for Google. I mean, come on, you've seen the banana and the, the potato chips and everything like that. It shouldn't matter in the, the age of Chrome. So the question was the, the performance impact of of each approach, right? Right. I mean, it, it might be uh, slightly slightly less performant, although honestly, I have not noticed uh, that, that rendering the rendering it on the client um, is is less performant. I mean, not not so much that it would actually even cause me to investigate. I suppose. So, ironically, the question was from a Googler, um, and in Ruby uh, Racer, you're actually embedding Google's V8 engine. Yes. So this is one of those few gems out there that actually requires Python. Yes, it requires Python to build. So you don't actually ever see it, but when you're installing, uh, in its current uh, form, it does take a while. Um, and then it says compiling native, native extensions. This might take a while. It's actually using Python 
and SCONS, which is the, what uh, V8 uses for its build system to build uh, the V8 binary. So yeah, it does, uh, I think you need Python 2.4 or greater <laughs> to install this gem. Talk a, a minute about consuming the uh, this particular project. So you can evaluate JavaScript context by passing a Ruby object, or you can have a Ruby object be the context. Yes. So um, you can actually, if you if you have any arbitrary Ruby instance, you can set up your JavaScript's context so that that Ruby instance is the global object. So any properties that that Ruby object has are properties are global properties. Any uh, methods that it has are global functions. And so, for example, if you could actually have a browser uh, object that had a window property and a document property and uh, you know an embedded DOM and so forth, and that would be kind of how you, that would be how you would implement uh, a, a browser in, in or a browser in Ruby, or at least the uh, skeleton of one. So, if you have a Ruby object as a global JavaScript value, does Douglas Crockford still cry? <laughs> You'd have to ask Douglas about that. Back to templating for a second. Um, Mustache.js, uh, you mentioned any other templating engines out there that are your favorites? Uh, JSON template uh, is one that I like uh, very much. It's, very, uh, it's a very functional style templating uh, system. Um, and that, that also is, I believe, from Google. Any love for underscore JS? You know, I have never used it. <sighs> Blasphemy. Smacking on the hands of the ruler. Check out episode five with Jeremy Ashkenaz. I right. pronounced his name correctly. One of the things you mentioned uh, on your README here is that it, Ruby Racer is designed to let you evaluate JavaScript as safely as possible unless you tell it to do something more dangerous. Can you talk a little bit about what you might use this for? Um, well, to, by default, when you instantiate a, a JavaScript context in the Ruby Racer, you don't have anything except for the standard JavaScript objects. So you, even though it's possible to call Ruby code, you can't. You have to explicitly inject into that context the code which you can call. Uh, and that's important because one of the primary uses of JavaScript is to, to safely evaluate untrusted code, just like you do on the browser. And so it's important that by default it be safe. So once you start exposing bits of your application via JavaScript, in other words, making Ruby classes and Ruby functions available, then you know you do so at your own peril, and you need to be make sure that those functions are safe. Um, so that's 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 what I'm getting at. Is by default, it's, it is safe. So you could almost use it to expose some sort of API that allows people to write JavaScript, which gets evaluated server side. Yes, it gets evaluated. It, as Ruby, so those those even though it looks like you're calling JavaScript, you're actually calling uh, Ruby. Interesting. So this might be used for some sort of API where people have to write um, like some sort of write JavaScript code. You know, JavaScript code is kind of universal. If people had to write really complex code, which then gets evaluated on your proprietary locked behind closed door server that they couldn't be running on their own. This would be a way to allow them to write some pretty sophisticated API logic. Precisely. It allows, it allows you to provide an API that allows users of that API to extend it and use it in ways that you had not uh, foreseen. Uh, in the same way that the browser allows servers to program it uh, to, to make it do new and interesting things. Mm. Um, things that you know have taken us uh, really advanced the state of the art in the last five years or so. Um, and so 
to, to give it a concrete example, and another one that I showed uh, here that we've used it for is to actually um, for uh, an image server. So <clears throat> being able to pull down images and then have uh, a set of JavaScript functions that actually are bound to Ruby functions um, that, that modify the image before it's returned, so you can enhance enhance the image uh, in pretty much arbitrary ways, or any arbitrary combination of primitives that you provide on that server. That's cool. Um, one other uh, web service this reminds me of, there was a voice over IP web service that we were working with at uh, NV Labs for a while, where basically you had to write code, and then either you could upload to the server, or you specified, you know, go to this URL, download this code, and we'll execute it using our voice over IP servers and whatever, you know, it, whatever happens, happens after that point. And they were trying to, they actually had like a Ruby implementation. This is, I think, the, the Trobo API, which we'll talk about, which we're talking about in Ruby 5 this week. Um, and uh, so they tried to implement in different languages. You could write in Ruby, you could write in Python, you could write in JavaScript, um, and they need a couple other languages maybe. But it kind of makes sense that J JavaScript seems to be sort of that standard library that if you're going to support a language that gets interpreted by your application server side. That seems to be the standard. And I, I totally see the value in being able to specify, you know, have a sort of sandbox, so to speak. Yeah. It sandboxes your Ruby code so that, you know, you can let people run JavaScript against it without having to worry about them doing anything dangerous. Yeah, it's a super lightweight virtual machine in a box, hmm. basically, that you can take with you wherever you go. And it's it's light by purpose. I mean, there's there's a there's only nine standard objects in the JavaScript uh, library or standard constructors. Uh, you know, you can fit all of them on your on on your two hands, and that's a feature. So JavaScript everywhere. Someone made the comment in one of the talks today that C was the lingua franca of of computing, especially in the Unix world. And I think perhaps JavaScript maybe you know unseating it at some point. You know, it's not as entrenched on the server, but uh, with the rise of Node.js and some of these server-side frameworks, it seems like everybody is using JavaScript these days in, in places that we normally didn't use it before. How many folks are using JavaScript in their applications? How many folks in pretty much the whole room? How many folks are using it server-side? Oh, wow, more hands than you think. Uh, talk a minute about what makes JavaScript special and why, why JavaScript, this renaissance of JavaScript in the last... Uh, Couple of years. I mean, I don't. I honestly don't know if I'm qualified to talk to the renaissance of JavaScript on the server side. Because from my perspective, I like to use it as its for its original purpose, which is an embedding, a language for embedding and providing you know safe interfaces. Um, so I mean, while I think that Node Node is interesting and the the, the common JS movement is useful and that the project is useful. Uh, for me, that part of JavaScript is uh, just not as interesting, uh, frankly, just because it's yet another language um, and doesn't bring along all the things that I think really make, don't really highlight the things that I think make JavaScript really special. Um, and that is the fact that you can completely control the environment. You can control its heap size. You can control the, how, you know, how the um, instructions get executed and, and, and you can embed uh, other interfaces into it. Um, safely. You know, it's not just on the server, it's on the client as well. And just in my brief career, I guess I've been doing web development for uh, about 12 years now, and it seems like that early on, I, I guess that we were shackled to the DOM, right? Mm -hmm. And so JavaScript was something that we handled with kind of like hazmat gloves, and we had all these server-side routines that, that created the JavaScript for us. Um, whereas, you know, in the last few years, basically since prototype and since jQuery came along, 
there's been this sort of uh, for rebirth of, of JavaScript development. And I think we're um, finding a lot of the things that we like about Ruby are things we like about JavaScript as well. Mm, absolutely. Talk a minute about Ruby uh, Rhino and how it relates to Ruby Racer. Um, so the Ruby Rhino is the JRuby uh, counterpart to uh, the Ruby Racer. And as the name might imply, rather than being based on the V8 JavaScript interpreter, it's based on the Mozilla Rhino uh, JavaScript interpreter. Um, I've taken some care to make them API compatible um, so that you can... But there, I'm going to say there is some discrepancy uh, in the API. But the idea is that you can use the you know, use the exact same code in a JRuby application um, with a little bit with a little bit of glue to bootstrap and say, okay, I'm using I'm using the Rhino, not the Racer. So, uh, but but starting from there, being able to run the exact same code. Forget for a moment that we have a Googler in the room. What's the uh, the main differences between the two? Um, V8 and, and Rhino. Okay. Uh, well, the main difference um, from my perspective, obviously one being um, written in C and the other in Java, uh, is that um, probably the most important <laughs> the most important is that the V8 is not multi-threaded. Uh, so if you're going to be using um, it in a multi-threaded app, you're going to have to lock the interpreter with uh, basically um, a global interpreter lock. V8 has the same thing as Ruby and uh, Python and, and all that, you know, all that good stuff. Whereas uh, Rhino is multi-threaded. Um, you can have, you can enter contacts from, you know, all different thread threads. You know, the threading is really great on the Java uh, platform. So that's that's probably the the, the biggest difference um, for me. And then obviously with the Ruby Rhino, you get the you get Java integration uh, inside your JavaScript as well as from Ruby because you're using JRuby. This is an abbreviated version of the show since we have the second podcast to record. Um, this is usually where we ask, and I'll put you on the spot since I don't think we've got a single episode of the changelog, but this is normally where we ask the, uh, the folks, what's on your open source radar? What projects other than the ones we just talked about have you excited? Which ones have me excited? Gosh, well, I've been looking at uh, uh, env.js. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that, but that's basically um, uh, a complete DOM implementation in JavaScript. Uh, that is somewat class or cross platform so you have uh, you can uh, with with just a little bit of native code whether that's root by native I mean uh, native platform it can be Ruby Java um, uh, or C you can you can have a, a DOM implementation up and running uh, so I think that's that's really really interesting and that lets that uh, lets you do more simulated browser stuff. So if you want to do uh, screen scraping and interact, like complex interaction with websites uh, programmatically, that that plays a big part um, along with um, you know unit testing uh, um, your JavaScript code. Uh, I'm also looking at uh, JS DOM, um, which is which is another nascent implementation that's not quite nearly as far along, but is. Uh, um, show some promise in terms of being maybe a little bit more flexible. Um, so let's see what else. Um, I say, you have to just look what I'm following on GitHub. <laughs> That's the best place to check it out. It's the uh, GitHub page is github.com forward slash cowboy B. So you also have your own podcast? Yes. You want to plug in? Oh, absolutely. I have uh, the Drunken Retired 
drunkenretired.com um, podcast. So you can go to drunkenretired.com. Uh, it's not drunk and tired. I actually tried that earlier. I didn't catch no, it. It's not retired, drunk and tired. So. That's a totally different site. Um, that we try to do every week uh, with my good friend uh, Michael Cote from Red Monk. So uh, you should check it out. Talking about? Yes. Our, uh, well, talking pretty much about life, the universe, and everything. Uh, our motto is it's better than half the stuff out there. <laughs> That's our motto. <laughs> cool. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Changelog. Point your browser to tail.thechangelog.com to find out what's going on right now in open source. Also be sure to head to github.com forward slash explore to catch up on trending and feature repos as well as the latest episodes of the changelog.